102.7 ESPN Studios in Austin, Texas. This is the Jeff Ward Show. Hey, welcome to our little show. Here's the way it works. I riff on stuff and you respond. Pretty straightforward. The phone numbers, you'll need them. We do use them somehow, some way. 512-834-1027. That's 512-834-1027. You want to follow me on Twitter or X or whatever we call it this week, do so. I'm at Jeff Ward Show. If you want to post comments on Twitter or X or whatever we call it this week, do so. Um, Just get to the point. Don't suck. Make the show better if you can. Uh, This is a pretty decent day of... Pretty good arguments all the way around. You should have something. You should have something to bring to the table that can make the show better. Some thoughts that make the show better. That's at Jeff Ward Show. Make sure you check out and subscribe to the podcast. We drop the Jeff Ward Show podcast every afternoon. You get the podcast wherever you download your podcasts. You can also check out and subscribe to the YouTube show. We post that every afternoon as well, even though the host looks like Shrek. Seems to be doing pretty well. This is this is so college football always, but certainly college football today. And that is acting like someone's your best friend, and then when they turn around, you just shove them off a cliff. College football programs that are not a football factory, a blue blood in the SEC or the Big Ten, you had better look out. You're about to be, you're about to be told you're our best friend. And then in the process, you're going to turn around and you're going to be shoved off the cliff by the person who says you're our best friend. That's what's going to happen to you and it's happening to you right now if you are not an absolute blue blood in the Big Ten or the SEC. Oh, they're going to smile at you and say how much they like you. And we got something for you. And they're going to say, go look over there to get it shoved off the cliff. Uh, The two football cartels, that's what I will call them. The two giant football cartels are not so quietly going to leave everyone else behind. And they're going to demand a ransom in the process. And even then, just so you know, everyone who's not a blue blood in the SEC, has anyone not noticed that as the University of Texas moves, so does the greed? But they're going to demand a ransom as well. And then even when that happens, right, even when they are going to leave you behind, they're going to leave you to die, and they're going to demand a ransom, um, they're going to let you die. You just need to mark today as the day that it's starting to end for you if you are not a blue blood in the SEC or a blue blood in the Big Ten. Those programs, the blue bloods in those two conferences, and you could argue a network too, they're in the process of taking over the playoff and the TV deals and saying, we're not going to let you starve. This is to everyone else. But here's a bottle of water and some crackers to keep you alive for at least a few weeks. That's what's happening. And I don't know how anybody doesn't see it. Oh, I suspect they might. They can't do anything about it. The Big Ten and the SEC have reportedly, um, and I don't think this is an accident at all that it's getting out now, but they have proposed what I think is pretty much a land and money grab. 
and everyone else can have like this little bitty piece of land just to survive. So Texas Tech, TCU, Oklahoma State, Houston, Baylor, and the others that are not blue bloods, football factories in the SEC or the Big Ten, you're about to be left completely behind and your survival as a football program, the way you know it now, is iffy at best. I suspect you don't make it. At least the way you look now. Um, the idiotic, here's what's amazing about what's happening right now, what's proposed right now, what's being leaked right now, is that um, the idiotic playoff system that has existed so far, I think it's idiotic. But it has gone, or is in the process of going from four teams, as we all know, to 12 teams. <laughs> what's amazing about today is before the 12-team playoff even starts, the Big Ten and the SEC are already reportedly working on creating a 16-team playoff. We haven't had one 12-team playoff game yet, and look what's happening. This should give you an indication of how quickly they are going to shove you, Baylor, Texas Tech, and the rest off a cliff. You're not going to make it. Okay? There's not been a single game in the 12-team playoff. And they're already working on ways to reduce the number of non-SEC, non-Big Ten football blue bloods. Imagine what happens in a month or two. Imagine what happens in six months. You're going to be gone. You're going to be gone. Uh, okay, so all this stuff is happening. Now, what I'm about to talk about is happening before a single 12-team playoff game has even started. And if you aren't in one of these two leagues... They're going to cut you out before the system has even started. So if you think about that, how long do you think before you're completely out of it, Big 12, ACC? I mean, if your numbers are being cut down already and this thing hasn't even started yet, imagine what happens in a year or two. I'm no antitrust lawyer, by the way, but I'm thinking this might end up in court. It certainly could be a political fight. Now, in the end, there's one giant beast that wins every single time. It loses no fight because money is no object. Okay? That beast will win in the end. Oh, it's just a few miles from where I'm sitting right now. Always will win. But I'm thinking this, uh, this could be classic antitrust here. Probably meets every standard. So the system right now is in the process. If what is reported is true, it is in the process of being rigged more than the rigged system that we already had before, which was a rigged system before that. What is being proposed, and you're going to say, well, Jeff, I, how, how do you not like this idea? Um, I, I, what I don't like is hiding smiling at your best friend and shoving them off the cliff. Why don't you just tell them, you know what, I'm about to throw you off a cliff. That's the problem I have. So what is leaked now is being kicked around is a 14-team playoff. Remember, the 12 one hasn't even happened. 14-team playoff with automatic bids, three automatic bids for the SEC, for the Big Ten. Wait, Jeff, there's 14 teams. I know. <laughs> exactly. Watch the math. Two for the ACC and the Big 12. In other words, at least as of today, you guys are lucky to get four teams in. We'll take eight. Remember how fast this is happening. 
Okay, just keep that in mind. If it's happening where, you know what, maybe we shouldn't do that thing where they had, you know, last week the proposal was the system was going to be five teams, the highest ranked teams from conferences were getting in. Now they're saying, you know what, we better cut that number down. It hadn't even happened yet. And they're cutting you out. You're not, you're going to be left to die. The rich guys are going to run off and leave you, Baylor, Texas, Tech, Houston, and everyone else who's not a blue blood. You're, you're, you're in the process of getting shoved off that cliff. What sucks is they're smiling at you and acting like they're your friend in the process instead of being brutally honest. So that, that's what's reported now. It's being reported by ESPN, Yahoo Sports, and everyone else. Now, okay, wait a second. Let me get that, Jeff. So there's a four, now we're saying before we even have 12, we're going to actually have 14, and then there's going to be six from... The big two, the football factories, the SEC and the Big Ten, and then two for the ACC and the Big 12, right? Yeah. Um, so this is a money grab. This is, cart- this is cartels. This is what cartels do. This is a duopoly. This is almost like politics, to be honest with you. So what they would like to do, in my opinion, these two monopolies, those are the two leagues, is they want to make the college football playoff, which is going to 12 teams next year, maybe, they want these two super conferences want to monopolize the playoff spots and the TV money and essentially start to own the entire thing while pretending, my opinion, they're creating a playoff spot for everyone else. Okay? The number of other programs that get in has already been reduced and the thing hasn't even started. Where do you think it's going to go next? You think they're going to open it up to more? No. Today you get three spots, so be happy. That's everyone else. But next week, it'll be two. Wait, then the week after that, you know, what are we even doing this for? Let's make it one. Then somebody says, a network, says, wait a second. Why even have any of these teams that aren't from the Big Ten or the SEC? Why are we even bothering with them? Who cares? What were we thinking two weeks ago when we said you can have five spots? And then we changed our mind and said you can have three or four spots. What were we even thinking? Let's just cut them out altogether. Who cares what happens to them? That's where this is going, in my opinion. And it's going there really fast. Do with it what you want. If you're a Texas football fan, you don't care. You'll trample anybody. They don't care. They'll take the whole TV deal themselves if they have it their way. But smile at everyone in the process and say, we're negotiating for you. Don't worry, we'll take care of you. Then they shove you off a cliff. Um, so they're going to say, I'm predicting now, I think this is already pretty obvious. They're going to say, well, no, nobody wants to watch Baylor. I mean, who cares? Nobody wants to watch TCU. Nobody wants to watch Houston or Texas Tech or Rutgers or you know, some of these people. Um, what's amazing about this is apparently there's not, they're not wasting any time in doing this, and they're not really hiding it, but they're pretending to be the best friends, the Big Ten and the SEC, the Blue Bloods, with everyone else. Um, now, I know someone's going to say, well, you know what, Jeff? Who really cares? No, only, people only want to see the Blue Bloods anyway, so why give them, get anybody else a chance? Why even invite them in? And no one really wants to watch them. And I guess that's probably true. Stop pretending 
that you're having a big playoff. Stop pretending that you are inviting someone else in. I mean, they've already, they pretended that two weeks ago. They pretended that two years ago. I'm not even sure they're pretending anymore. Nobody wants to see Jeff, TCU, or Houston, or Texas Tech. So too bad. Let's just get on with it. Um, okay. You're right. Um, this isn't about involving them. This is about excluding them while pretending they matter. This is about excluding them while pretending that, that you're going to invite them to the party. That's what this is. So, what's the answer? You're gonna, they're getting really close, and it's happening at a rapid pace. You're just going to end up with two super conferences, and then they can do what they want. This is the way Texas operates. Wherever they go, have you not noticed? Wherever they go, stuff just gets blown up around them, and then they are left standing, and they're saying, you understand, we call all the shots. All the money, all the power. Um, okay, so what's going to happen now is I, I suspect the fast track is towards these two super conferences. But that's where it then gets to the next level. All right, so you can be fine with 12-team playoff originally offered five spots. In essence, was saying five conference champions and then seven, all of whom probably come from the Big Ten or the SEC, get picked by a selection committee having bagels at a hotel. They pick the committee. They're going to pick seven SEC or, or Big Ten teams, period. Okay, it's a rig system. Now it's 14 teams. And you know what? I don't know we need to invite so many people in. So why don't we just make that where Big 12 you get two. And uh, ACC, you get two. You're whining a lot. And then we'll, we'll go from there. And all this has happened before <laughs> the system has even started. Um, so it's a fast track to two super conferences. But within the super conference, it's going to be the next level of fight. So right now, they're going to kill off in the process of killing off the Big 12, in the process of killing off the ACC, but pretending you're giving them a little bit, like you're giving them some crackers and water. Okay, hey, you guys shut up over there. At least you get one team. At least one of you gets to come play with us for the playoff. We're going to let you in for now. And then they're going to shut the door on that. It's, you know what? We're not going to let you in at all. Then the next level, I'm going to predict, because it seems plainly obvious, if this is really just about giving the public the blue bloods that it really wants in the end, okay, that's Ohio State, Michigan, Texas, Alabama, Oklahoma, blah, blah, blah. Got it? The Blue Bloods. And nobody can fight. If you got Texas on your side, nobody wins the fight. They win all fights. They dominate everything. So they're now, now the SEC is in bed with the 800-pound gorilla. So there's no one really can fight back at this point. And I suspect they're probably already talking to networks, and any network is going to say, yeah, let's not let's not bring put TCU on our screen again, please. Let's not put Boise State on our screen. Got it? And then the next conversation, why don't we just make two super conferences? And then someone's going to say, I'm predicting, wait, why are we even inviting Mississippi State? They don't matter. No one cares about Rutgers. No one cares about Indiana. Nobody cares about Vanderbilt. Yeah, yeah. What are, what are we doing with these people in bed with us? Let's get rid of them too. Let's just make this thing what it really is. That's big brands, blue bloods, and only big brands and blue bloods.
What I don't like and what nobody should like and what is disgusting in a lawless, rudderless, leaderless industry is that, number one, they act like they're negotiating with everyone when it's really just a money and land grab for two leagues. And then they're telling you they're going to give you a spot, but they're, they're in the process of kicking you out. Two, they're allowing this stupid selection committee to remain intact and then their job is clearly just to create a rig system for the Big Ten and the SEC. And then three, it's got nothing to do with the schools themselves. You know, the institutions, you know, places where there's classrooms and diplomas and stuff like that. I mean, it is so far removed from that, it's not even funny. So agree or disagree, but you can... I think the fast track here is, one, reduce their options, create a 14-team playoff, which, by the way, I'm fine with. I think there's more teams. It should look just like the NFL. No committees. You play your way in. But don't laugh and shove these other schools off the cliff at the same time. But the next, if you're following the connecting the dots here, they're not just going to try to kill off every other league. Or not kill off. Just say, you don't get to play in the big show. You go go do something else. Go to the Citrus Bowl or something. We don't really care. TC, you're not going to find your way in this playoff again because you don't belong. They're not just in the process of doing that. I think the next wave has to be internal, killing off your own. The Vanderbilts, the Mississippi States, those people even within the Big Ten and the SEC. Why not just make it the true blue blood football factories and forget everyone else? That'll be the next round of conversations. The question is, how quickly do those happen? Jeff Ward, weekdays on 102.7 ESPN. On 102.7 ESPN. Now back to the Jeff Ward Show. Shut up, Smoker Voice. Here is a classic Dallas Cowboys move and mistake. Classic of the Jones era move and mistake. Let's be clear. We can fight about it all you want. We do this fight regularly. I try to space them out, but I'm fine with the argument. My first claim would be Dak Prescott is not the biggest problem that the Dallas Cowboys have. He's not the reason they flamed out in round one again. He finished second in MVP voting, and he should have. He led the league in passing. He was third in total yards. Dak Prescott is not the problem of the Dallas Cowboys. That out of the way, even though you're going to scream at me, just keep, keep that in mind for just a second. Because he's not, he's not the reason this is a classic Jones-era mistake all over again. And it's made in you know February when it's completely unnecessary. But this is a classic Jones family mistake. And in their mind, they're doing the right thing. Okay, the reason why Dallas flamed out and got their ass handed to them at home in the first round of the playoffs is their defense. Um, okay, that I don't know why the defense was good at times. It was a very talented team. Should not have flamed out the first round. They flamed out because they had the ball run straight down their throat. The times they got beat, they got beat because their defense was terrible. That said, if you want to commit to Dak Prescott, that's fine. Dak Prescott, for all the conversations about him, he's in the final year of a four-year, $160 million contract. 
Okay? Now, there's going to be a time you're going to have to decide, well, do we make him the highest paid player in the NFL? What do we do? But you don't have to do it today. Let me explain why I think this is a classic Jones family mistake. It's a classic Jones family move and mistake. So there's no reason to do it now. There's no reason to commit now. There's no reason to do anything with Dak Prescott right now. There's really not. In fact, I would argue there's every reason to say what a great season he has, what a great guy he is. He's the best corporate guy you'll ever meet. He's never late for a meeting. He is the, he is the ultimate lunch pail employee. He's a really good player. You can say all these nice things you want about him. There's no reason to do anything else. None. None. There's no reason to say the things the Jones family just said right now. The Cowboys, here's why I say this. The Cowboys are possibly, I'm going to say probably, a year away from doing what most franchises would have to do. A classic example would be the L.A. Rams a few years ago. They went all in, and unlike the Cowboys, when they go all in, and they win. They went all in on short-term contracts. They went all in on veteran players. They went all in and said, we better win this Super Bowl now because next year we don't have anything. And that's what they did. They won a Super Bowl. Dallas has a good roster, spends the money, and they flame out in the first round of the playoffs. So you can go all in, but then you have to blow it up and move on. You have to blow it up and reinvent yourself. It's just the nature of the industry where you basically live, for the most part, on three- and four-year increments. It's just the way the business works. The question is, good franchises can win, blow themselves up, win again. In the case of the Chiefs, the Chiefs can win, sort of blow up themselves and figure out another way to do it and win again, and then blow up a little bit more but figure out a way to make make it work again and, and win again. I mean, that's, just the, that's the beauty of the industry, that you have to find different ways to win. Successful franchises find new ways to win. They invent new ways. They reinvent themselves all the time. That's what the Chiefs do. The Cowboys can't do it. They can't do it, it's crazy to say, because of old man blind loyalty. In the football business, it's a mistake. You can't be in love that long. You really can't. You got three to four years, and then you better blow it up reinvent and do it again. They're doing just and saying just the opposite of that right now. Look, Dak Prescott, in my opinion, if he were your employee, he deserves you to say nice things about him. You really, especially if you're Jerry Jones, with all the drama around them, there's not another guy that could handle the drama, the narcissism, like Dak Prescott does. If you put Aaron Rodgers there, it would be a daily fight of prima donnas. It would be divas all over the place. But Dak Prescott, man, that dude will put his head down. (laughs) He will shut up, and he'll just go to work. Doesn't matter what his owner says. So it's I I don't fault anyone as his employer for really love having the guy around. He's really a good player. But you don't need to commit to anything else because you might just have to blow it up. In fact, I'm guessing you do need to blow it up, and Jones doesn't know how to blow it up. Jones doesn't know how to reinvent. This is a classic example. 
I'll fight any one of you that wants to blame everything on Dak Prescott. What I'm telling you is a good organization has the ability to lose people and then reinvent the other side of the ball. Lose great players, but tweak it where you find a couple more. That's that's the brilliance of the NFL. That's the brilliance of the Kansas City Chiefs. The Kansas City Chiefs didn't win this year because Patrick Mahomes was lighting up the NFL for 42 points a game. The Kansas City Chiefs won because they had they lost some of their offense, so it kind of blew up, but they found a way to reinvent another way to win. You go all in with Dak Prescott. You are signing off on six years of suckage. Not because he's bad. It'll make everything else around him bad. So out of the blue, the Jones mantra is this. It's kind of, I guess it's kind of old man management, right? You ever had that boss that, you know, you probably worked for somebody that for, you know, for 15 of the 25 years you worked for him, it's a really good management strategy. It's a really good plan. You know, one thing about the old man is he's loyal and he'll pat you on the back and stuff like that. But then you realize you're kind of like Sears. You don't want to be Sears. Jerry Jones is Sears. I think his son might be Sears too. The Cowboys are Sears. The Cowboys are running the risk of being Sears at Hancock Center. You can't commit to re-signing it right now. You can't. A year from now, it might be the right call. You can't go here because you have no idea how much you're going to have to blow up a year from now. But the Jones family said today, they're all in. You don't need to say that right now. You can say all the great things about them. You know, the end of the Tom Landry era, I know it's weird to compare the two, but the the end of the Landry era had some of the similar markings, and that is old, stiff, inflexible. It became Sears. Now, the difference, of course, during the Landry era is that they won, you know, they did stuff, they won. It wasn't until the very end that they became an old, stodgy, inflexible, Sears-like operation, and, you know, they only won one game. But Jones' entire time as owner feels like Sears. It's like, man, you got to move, old man. You got to be able to maneuver a little bit. You got to be flexible. You've got, you can't be so loyal. That's terrible to say, I know. Uh, Stephen Jones, um, Dak Prescott has a four-year contract that ends this year. This coming year is the final year. What you should do is shut your face, cheer him on, and you can't commit one way or another after this season. There's so many people that might have to get fired by the Dallas Cowboys, it's not even funny. This year may be the last they have. So why would you run the risk of now paying more than $160 million. Why? Jones, Stephen Jones is talking to reporters and he affirmed the team's commitment toward coming to terms with Dak Prescott. These fools are going to extend his contract before the season, I guess, even starts. <laughs> Why? Why? Why would you do that right now? All right, here you go. Stephen Jones says, uh, this is from Larry Brown Sports. I'm a big fan of the site. Um, Our whole thing with Dak is him always being a cowboy. Stop there. Again, old guys, 
It's like Sears. You know, our commitment is to always being in retail. Our commitment is always being in the malls. That's, that's what we're going to do. You can't. There's no always in the NFL. There can't be. There's no always. I, I get the impression they're going to try to sign this guy to a giant deal. I get the impression their ego is tied to having the highest paid player in the NFL. I really get that now. And it may be a brilliant move to sign him a year from now. It may be. Then again, you may want the flexibility to say, oh my gosh, everyone's headed out the door in free agency. We can't afford everybody. What, what, you know, I don't know. I mean, maybe we can let Dak Prescott walk. Maybe we do. So he says, it's all on our mind. That is him always being a cowboy. Okay. That is a classic Jones Sears-like position to take when you didn't have to take the position. Jeff Ward, weekdays on 102.7 ESPN. Hey, bro, listen to the Jeff Ward Show. There you go. You better like that, kid. I bet if, um, gosh, I sure hope we don't lose everybody here. I'm about to ask some economic questions. A good economy, it's never perfect, right? That's what everybody, people always fight back and say, well, in a good economy, you would have jobs, but you'd have jobs. And I'd say, well, yeah, jobs, but there's more to it than that. And so there's always going to be a bloody nose. Okay, so I'm not denying when I make an argument for the economy, I'm not arguing that somebody somewhere is not getting a bloody nose. In other words, one of the things about the modern day economy, I call it the idea economy, not to get nerd out too much here, but I think we all need to appreciate this, is that the idea economy is, is about skill sets and it's about ideas. It's about the ability to turn those ideas in, in, into market forces and to make money at it. And a lot of people are left out of that. Rural America is largely being, you know, I think that's what's happened politically. I don't think it's anything these politicians just glom on to people that are being left behind economically and not not helping or saying the, the right things. They're saying the popular things and just making them mad. So it is true that that rural America has been left behind in the idea economy, mainly because politicians tell them the old industries are coming back and they're going to keep their jobs, which is a lie. It's just a bunch of liars. That's not at all how a dynamic economy is going to work. That coal mine is not coming back. You're a liar to tell that person otherwise. Now, to be fair, it's hard when you're 50 to pivot to a new skill set. So someone is going to get left behind. I think a good economy is startups. That's how it should be defined. That's the healthiest thing that you can promote. It's the best way to move up and down. That's a good economic barometer, but it doesn't mean it's perfect. Does anyone, would you like to take a guess, the generation that is going to be the wealthiest in history? I mean, it should be plainly obvious, but I don't know how you can say right now, well, this is a terrible economy, blah, blah, blah. Most people don't know what they're talking about. Certainly politicians don't. Generation is set to become the richest generation in history. Millennials. Millennials, let's see, it's defined here are going to be the wealthiest generation in history. 
That is those born between 1981 and 2000. Over the next 20 years are set to become the wealthiest generation in history. Hmm. All right. I don't know what... I, I mean, they are... A few theories behind that. I mean, one, they are one of the most educated generations in history. And being the, in this idea economy, a college degree matters. It's not an absolute. Don't yell at me. It's not an absolute, but it helps. It gets you more in place. That'd be part of it. There's probably more women working than ever, which is a good thing. And there's more women getting professional degrees than ever before. Even better thing. I think that's how that whole college education thing is panning out. I think it's I think it's working to their benefit. They are set to become the wealthiest generation in history. <sighs> that's pretty amazing because they they're a generation that lived through the 2008 crash. But. Here you go. The shift in wealth is likely to aid efforts in sustainable investments and behavior, blah, blah, blah. Um, you know, it's kind of their place now. I don't know if it's just the markets, it's real estate, it's everything. I'd suspect because they just have more professional degrees that were ready for the idea economy than any generation ever. But I don't think many people would say that. If you had to ask, we'll be the wealthiest generation I don't know that people would say millennials because we all make millennial jokes, right? We all do. Yeah, well, it seems to be working out for them after all. All right, here goes a debate on ESPN. Uh, I think it was this morning. Asking what is the most difficult thing in sports was, I, I think that was the topic. The most difficult thing in sports. Now, I mean, it's fun and that's fine, but that's all relative, Historically, people have said hitting a baseball is the toughest thing in all of sports. Well, yes and no. Well, hitting a baseball off of Mark Verlander, yeah, is really tough. Hitting a hitting a baseball off of Ed Clements, not so much. <laughs> Being really good at golf might be the tough. I said really good at golf might be the toughest thing to master. But just being okay at golf, man, maybe not so much. Yeah, you can, you can do anything you want with this. Um, I, I don't know how in the world anyone could end up with curling. Curling. None of us have ever, what's the right term, curled? I don't even know what to say. It's shuffleboard on ice. It's basically... Feels to me, looks to all of us, we all love it because it's, you know, we've, we laugh at it with the sweepers and everything, but it's, I guess it's the Canadian's way of playing shuffleboard. Just get drunk, smoke cigarettes and play shuffleboard on ice. Here goes the debate. <laughs> um, I don't even know how to get into the debate. What's the toughest thing in sport? You know, I don't know what, it depends. The toughest thing in sports and somehow they ended up on curling. I played all these sports. I was a big high school athlete. Scholarships to college. I wanted to be a broadcaster. I passed. So every sport you see here is almost personal for yours truly. Number five, football. Physicality, the speed, the agility, the quickness, how fast the game is. You have to want to be hit. 
That is a very difficult thing to overcome. To be a football player and to be a good one, that is a very difficult, in all the positions. Yes, weight and size. Pause. What's man? Pause. I haven't even gotten started yet. Can I get, you have gotten started, you got to number five. Can I get a little more energy? Hey, well, Can I more. get a little more? Whoa! More energy. I'm asking you for more Whoa. energy. Oh, my God. Whoa. I, 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 Whoa. Number five is football. Football because, you know, everything. sports are personal to me. Number five is football. No! Where's my energy? All right, number Give four. Give it to me. What? Thank you. This is an impossible sport to play because it's a, it requires finesse and ability to skate and all those things. Don't laugh. Curling. I don't even know what that is. <laughs> Mad Dog, I don't even know what that is. Oh, my God. That's when you play. Oh what God. even is that? It's no. like it's, it's shuffleboard no. on ice. Yeah. No. It's shuffleboard on ice. Oh this my sport goodness. is it's an Olympic sport, which is something. Here it is. Oh. That's curling. Like what? That, oh, the my God. The that it takes. And the fact you got to you gotta keep the size. Look at the big crowd. That is oh a, it's a disc. That Lord. is a hard sport. Oh that is number four. Curling? You've never curled. How do yes, you know I it's have. hard? I told you. Oh Sports. You curled? Yes, I Where did you curl? Tell me right now. I'll call your wife. I'll FaceTime her on national TV. Yes. And I'm going to have yes. her tell me what. When I curl. Give me your phone. You know I got a number. <laughs> you know I got a number. FaceTime her right now. This FaceTime. Is, Keep going. FaceTime her, Steve. Right, number Let's three. FaceTime her. You know I'm right, Steve. I, I got to hustle. Number three. This, this is going to be awkward for you when America hears tennis. you live. Tennis is an impossible sport to play. The physicality, yeah. the bending, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You gotta get low. backhands, yeah. forehands, serve, running around in the heat. In the heat. Oh, and they the heat. You don't see anybody out of shape playing tennis. Okay? I play it. There you go. Perfect. You know why? I can stop I play there. It. I've been That's good why forever. we started playing pickleball. Exactly. Because we don't want to have to run that much, so we just play pickleball instead. Shorten the court. You know, that's the American way, right? You know what? I really don't feel like running that much, so why don't we just reinvent the game? That way I don't have to do it. There. Thank you. Curling. One, I don't believe it's that hard. I I don't know how to slide on ice, but it can't be that hard to put on some some, uh, spike shoes or whatever they wear. No, no, no. It's not that hard. It's pretty cool to watch, I have to say. I mean, everybody's watched it. No, no, it doesn't. No, it doesn't appear to be that hard. It doesn't. Well, how do I know that? I don't know. It said it doesn't appear. I don't, don't go anywhere near ice. This, what's the hardest part of curling? Would it be shoving the giant puck or would it be sweeping in front of the puck? Which one is more difficult? How? <laughs> I don't blame them for laughing at him. He was serious. He says that he curled. I, I don't know. I don't think it's going to be that hard. I don't. Nothing is that hard if you can smoke. But of curling, what is the more difficult part? The puck shover or the puck sweeper? Right, because if you ever if you ever watch and somebody's out there sweeping in front of they're yelling at each other and sweeping it to make it I don't know, I, I don't know I guess make it turn a little bit or hit some stubble I don't know I have no idea. If you come up with ten things, curling is not in the ten. If you come up with a hundred, a hundred things, curling is not in the one hundred. I'm not saying then take skill. Darts take skill. If I hung out on a bar long enough, I could be pretty good at darts, really good at darts. If you hung out on ice long enough, I suspect most people could get to be pretty good at curling. 
You could run and train all day long, and you're not going to be that fast on a football field, most of you. It's just not going to happen. It's not. Curling, I suspect anybody of any size, almost any skill set, could figure out with enough practice how to sweep in front of a giant puck with a cigarette in hand. Shoving the puck. I'm sure they're, they're really good at it. Those Canadians with the cigarettes and scotch are really good at it. But most people, I suspect, if we went out every single day with the giant puck and cigarettes and scotch and we practiced sliding on the ice, I bet we could figure out a way to get really good at curling. Seems like it's a game or a sport that if you just try enough, which means, I guess, drink and smoke enough, if you try enough, you could eventually be pretty good at it. A lot of other stuff, you're always going to suck. Make sure you check out the Jeff Ward Show podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts.